0: Number 12 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll look at uh, one verse right now, verse number 25, and then we'll go down and and, uh, catch another verse or two in just a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And verse number 25, the Bible says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that you help us to see some things tonight that would be a blessing, uh, some things that we're studying, that we're going through this chapter in 1 Corinthians that uh, you would define, that you would clarify, that you'd help us to see our part in your church here in this body. So, Lord, I pray that you just kind of help us to, to see some things that to uh, be able to, to identify uh, properly where we are and, and what our part is and how that we can benefit from and, and be a benefit to this church. Lord, I pray that you just bless, bless all that's said and done tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm looking forward to <clears throat> tomorrow night, the, the uh, uh, presentation that will be here. Um, but with uh, this here, it's just almost like maybe you should just sit down and, and discuss with you here, okay? I, I need a cup of coffee, though. So, so <laughs> You know what I thought about doing, since we have some of our college kids that are here, see some over here and some on this side and whatever, and it, man, it's good to, good to have them home for Christmas break. It's going to have them come up and, and sit with me and just ask them questions and have them talk a little bit about that, but I, I throw people off kilter because I kind of spring it on them, but... Uh, <clears throat> why don't you guys be prepared for some time while you're home? Uh, to Answer a few questions of how things are going at school, how we could best pray for you, and uh, that would help us to know how to pray because we do. We pray for you back home, and uh, and you make us proud. and It's good to good to see you're back and you know taking the break, a little bit of a a brain uh, 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 relaxation from finals that they just got done, done with. It's good to see them home. Okay, 1 Corinthians, chapter number 12, verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body. Whenever the church, the Bible talks about the body, the body of Christ, it's a reference to the church. It's defined very clearly in the Word of God as the church. Now, this is a a series that we started with, Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, where Jesus said to Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He's talking about that church that has the authority that he's giving it as he uh, uh, identified that in Matthew chapter 16. Where Jesus himself started the church right here on earth while he was here. Uh, In the book of Acts, you find the the, uh, Acts of the Apostles. It's called Acts of the Apostles, but it's Acts of the Apostles, the Holy Spirit. As the church grows, uh, you you see that the church immediately beginning to uh, um, grow, take shape in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 43 or so, where it says, they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Well, that adding unto them was adding to the church that was already in existence and so you see the church that was started by Jesus and and uh, given or um, prophesied its perpetuity. That means it would not die. It would, it would continue to go on. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And it's just going to be going on. And so uh, and it also had the authority. So we're looking at the church. And uh, last week, if you remember, we uh, saw how that those of us who are part of the church, we're different in, the, in certain ways. We're different. From different locations, different places, uh, we've we've come from different backgrounds. Spirit of God had to go over here to uh, reach this one, and had to had to actually go into this situation or this family and reach that one. Different locations, and here we all are as uh, members joined together, members in this church as as this one body. Um, and it's you know how the Lord got everybody together here, and and we all have a different. Uh, testimony we're from different religious schemes we said from verse number 13 1 corinthians 12 13 it says whether we be jews or gentiles didn't matter you know what you know where we were from uh, we we're all flawed in one way or another trying to uh, earn our righteousness by good works or by efforts or by whatever and it doesn't make it it doesn't doesn't bring anybody righteousness but now we're saved by the grace of God that is uh, uh, laid out in the Word of God. And we, we had different positions or status or importance or wealth. We, uh, people that are in, in different categories and in a church. It doesn't matter your, your, your status in the community. Because that says whether we be bond or free, hey, we're all together in this one body. And then we also, last week, we talked about how we're the same. We're at one location. As the body is one, verse 12... Uh, many members but in one place and so here we are in one location we have one teacher uh, and that's the spirit of God spirit of God leading us influencing us to do to act as verse 13 says for by one spirit or by the influence of the Holy Spirit we're baptized into one body and we do what we do because of that one teacher that one uh, leader guider that that uh, gives us uh, direction and guidance and there's one provision, and that's the word of God. For by one spirit are we all baptized in one body. It says we're all made to drink uh, in the one spirit, and he feeds us through the word of God. We dealt with that last week. Okay, so let's continue with um, from verse number 18. Let's look at that one more time and uh, get back there and, and uh, uh, start from verse number 18. Uh, I tell you what, let's read from verse number 18 down through verse number 27. And then go back and kind of piece it together. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But now hath God sent set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. When he's, he's you know, just like a, a tiler or a, a, a jeweler that's setting jewels into a, 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 a bracelet or a, a necklace or something in a ring. They set, and, and that's God setting the members Placing the members—that's what that word means—but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. And if uh, they were all one member, where were the body? And He's get, making the illustration: we're all different; we're all, you know, varied, come from different places, and we all make one body, but we've, we're, we're different individuals. He says, "But now are they many members, yet but one body." Verse 21. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, "I have no need of thee." Nor again, the head to the feet, I, had, I have no need of you. That's interesting the way he puts it there. It's kind of funny, you know, where it says uh, here the eye says to the feet, well, you know, looking at the, 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 the illustration of a human body, we, we need each other. You know, if you want to go someplace, you're going to need your feet to bring you, uh, your, your body to, to um, get you there. You can't say, hey, you know, you're useless. Well, now I want to go to the fridge and get a sandwich, and I can't because my feet are not cooperating because I don't need my feet. Well, no, you need your feet. Or the feet needs the eye or the head. Uh, how many times have have you, you know, uh, uh, hit your toe on something at night because you can't see anything, you know? You just got to turn on the light so that you can see because if you can't, then... Uh, you know, you're in trouble because you bump into stuff or whatever. Um, So he's saying you have need of each other. In verse 22, Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. Did you ever think about that, that which is pretty or handsome or you know you you look at a person and and their looks you know how we deem pretty or or uh, desirable their looks are usually not doing anything your face let's say your face you know where your eyes are your cheek bones or whatever and, you know somebody looks at somebody and says man that that girl's beautiful or that that guy's handsome and and he says that it doesn't really do anything for you. It's the uncomely parts. It's the, the other parts that you need in your body that actually does things, you know, that, that you know, has vital uh, 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 tasks in the body. <coughs> Verse 24, for our comely parts <coughs> have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism, that's our text, That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now are ye the body of Christ and members in particular. Now he's talking to the Corinthians. This book, if you go back to the, you know, chapter one, verse number one and two, where he deals with this is the Corinthian believers and he's dealing with the Corinth believers. This is the church, which is at Corinth or First Baptist of Corinth, whatever you want to call it, that church. And he's talking to those members and he says to those members, now ye are the body of Christ. Many members, one body. You're at one body. This is one unit. Many members, one body. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So uh, let's take a look at that. Going back to verse number 18, it says, Now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Uh, God's the jeweler here. God's the author. God's the artist. He's the designer here, and he makes every church as he deems fit, and he puts certain members in that church for a certain reason, and he places you in that body because of his design, as it has pleased him. He's the one who chose each and every component, that's every person or every member, to contribute to the whole body. He knows what this body has need of, and so he'll provide the needs of the body by, by adding those members, that, and, and so therefore, you can have uh, the different uh, 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 roles, the different perspectives, the different positions of the, the uh, individual members, not all the same. You know, did you ever think about your hand having a uh, an opposable member, a thumb, uh, four fingers and a thumb, and without the thumb, uh, you wouldn't have that opposable. You couldn't grab things like you, like you uh, uh, can. How are you doing with your, with your hand? <laughs> Amy's getting a grip. Amen. We prayed for her. She's got it in the cast right now, but how long is it going to be in the cast? Four weeks oh wow well you know when when you can't oh man just i'm getting older and i got arthritis or something in this thumb and i can't hardly grab things with a with a strength in this thumb which which really affects my motorcycle riding that's i don't know i'm gonna pray about that one but all, in this one particular thumb it's just like my goodness and i can't i don't have strength and you know i never i never saw that never i never even thought about that because i just used my hand as it but if you have every member is there for a certain purpose a reason and hey members god hath placed you in the membership of this church as it has pleased him his blueprint his design what this church needs we need you know some more mercy because the preacher don't have any. <laughs> and so he gives people a heart, you know. <laughs> and then others are just all judgment, you know, so whatever. And, but God has placed you in the membership of the church as it has pleased him. you got to understand that this, whenever, the, here, when, when the Bible is talking about the body or the church, when it mentions the church, as in most places in the word of God, that deal with the body or the church, it's dealing with an entity that is local. That means gathered in one place. It's not invisible. you gotta you got to be careful about this because uh, ever since Schofield and his notes back in 1913, whatever that was, where he, he uh, set his notes, and you might have a Schofield Bible, which are very good, great, great notes, <clears throat> but he was notoriously universal church. You know what that means? Universal church means that when a theologian who is a universal church guy reads the word of God, he sees the word church and it's some invisible, ethereal, spiritual body. It's not talking about a local church <coughs> like this chapter is talking about. It, isn't it right? And you members are members in particular in this body. He's not talking about something that's invisible there, is he? No, this church is actually talking about, you know, you have need and somebody has a need here and here and put it together and God designed that and, you know, so there's flaws and there's needs and there's blemishes in this church and he's, he's dealing with that. It's not this perfect, true church, invisible church. No, the Word of God, matter of fact, the Word of God never, there's no such thing as a universal church because a church, if you look at the word, ecclesia, ec. Kaleo, There's two words, there two Greek words that are put together. Ek is out of, and kaleo, to call. It's to call out from the, the world a, a body of believers putting them together in one location, in one place, gathered together, joined together to, to do the, the will of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's always a called out gathering of believers that is put together, assembled. That's why you could use the word assembly. And it's kind of a a synonym of the word church because it's an assembled body of believers together, to put together, to join together. It's never invisible. It's always like that. So whenever you see the the word church or body in the scripture, it's dealing with an entity that is local. It's called out into one place. It's visible. You can see that. You can see that place. It's geographical. It's in a certain location. We're going to see that just a little bit. It's corporal means it has a body. It, is, it has members one of another, and they're put together. And it's got a, the body has different members that are all put together in one place, and it's corporal. It's frail. It's flawed many times, as the Corinthians were. Read the two uh, uh, letters to the Corinthians, first and second Boy, there's a lot of problems that that church had. A lot of things that were flawed that they had to get instruction for. It's a, it's a body that, that needs completion from one another. Uh, just like Adam, when he, was, when he was formed in the garden, uh, God said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. He made Adam, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs somebody. He, he made Adam incomplete or um, unfinished. Okay, he made made him have some needs that only uh, the companion that God made, designed to be his wife, uh, to, would meet. He had needs that she could fulfill. She had needs that he could fulfill. Together, they're one. They're a unit, and they were complete. So, uh, the, the same thing is true in a church. When it says the eye and the feet and the different members, uh, you can't say, I have no need of you. I don't need, I, you know what? We all need each other in this church. And we're made that way to have a need uh, for, to be completed by one another. It's, it's always a church. It's always a body that is striving or suffering. Like he says here later on, where when one suffers, we all suffer. Hey, you, you stub your toe. I mean, that's all you can think about. Is your toe? You could be fine all the way through your body, but your toe is hurting, and that's you know it, it takes the forefront. It's it's the uh, 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 the the uh, focus of, of everything, and and so it's not. Listen, a church is not invisible, perfect, spiritual, uh, ethereal. No, not at all, not at all. While most universal church influenced theologians see most church references as invisible or spiritual or heavenly or complete or perfect. That's just not reality. That's not what the Bible teaches. The true church, as they like to put it, is certainly not a church with mistakes or flaws or acne like this church that we're talking about in 1 Corinthians or any other church that the Bible deals with in the Bible. And all but four or five, maybe three or four, uh, of the 118 or so 119 times that the word church ecclesia happens in your new testament all but 3 or 4 of those maybe 4 or 5 uh, are references of a specific church in a geog- geographical location that's the reference the only other times that it's mentioned it's mentioned in a geograph in a an institutional sense like you know husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Which church? All churches. Well, which husband is he talking about? You know, is it uh, the husband in Galatia? Or the husband in Jerusalem? Or the husband in Rome? No, no. He's talking about in the institution of marriage. All husbands love all your, your own wives. And that, he's talking about marriage in the, as an institution, in an institutional sense, just like he's dealing with the church. As the institution of what the Lord Jesus Christ started, but every single example of church is local, visible, geographical, in one place you can see it. It has flaws; that it, it's striving to uh, serve and honor, follow the Lord. Uh, and so um, that's that's it. In, in every single place outside of the few times it's talking about an institutional sense. And one time it talks about the church that will form, and that is still going to be a local church when we're all gathered on the other side, and that will be, you know, that's a little different than what we're talking about here. Because every time that the word church is used, by the way, in the book of Acts, it was always the church, the church, the church, the church, until Acts chapter 7 or 8. i got to take a look at it. Why? Well, because there was only one church. It was the church that Jesus started, at, a, at Acts chapter one, it was at 120. That's that's the n- the number of that church was gathered together in the upper room that day on the day of Pentecost. There were multitudes that were saved. Three thousand were uh, saved, baptized, and added unto the church that day. And then and it grew and multiplied. It kept on. Now now the instruction of of God was to go and preach to all the all the creatures everywhere. That was what they were supposed to do. But they were having such a good time. It was such great fellowship. They were coffee and caking it. They were having a wonderful time, great services. And it just built and built and built and built and built. And God was saying, that's not the idea. You're supposed to go to all the world. And so he allowed, I believe, he allowed persecution in in, uh, Acts chapter 9, 8 or 9. And then it was like, you know, trying to stamp out an oil fire everywhere. Now they were scattered everywhere preaching. And then after that point, you'll never see... It referencing the church. No, no, it's always the church of Galatia, the church of this, the church of that. Like 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this chapter here, this book here, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Are you going to put the verses up there? Or no, are we, we got, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Okay, and it's talking about a specific church, a specific location, that's the church. Colossians four sixteen, talks about the church of the Laodiceans. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians. is that church where? That church right there. And it's, and it's uh, referencing a specific people at a location. They had a pastor. They had um, deacons. They had uh, they uh, kept the ordinances and whatever. It was talking about the church there. It's talking about a specific church in a specific location. Romans chapter 16, verse number 1, of the church which is at Centrita. Um, the, where what church that church and it gives the location Colossians 415 and the church which is in his house. It says here's here's a church and it's just giving the location of where they're meeting together. And it doesn't have to be in a building like this or an auditorium. It could be in a house large enough to, to house that. And, and uh, that's where they met. First Corinthians 16:1. as I have given order to the churches of Galatia. Now it's talking about all of these different churches that were in Galatia and they're identified numerically, like there's more than one church there. If it was the church, then, yeah, he would say the, the church of Galatia, all the churches of Galatia. But he doesn't say that. He says churches of Galatia. Why? Because they are individual churches, individual locations. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 19, the churches of Asia salute you. And then it says later, with the church that is in their house. See, each one of these are physical. They're physical, uh, physical, <laughs> they're visible local churches and they're at one place and you could see them and they've met together. The common biblical reference to a church is the Lord's handiwork of his calling out flawed sinners gathered together in one place to labor, to strive together to bring him glory. The seven churches of Asia in Revelation chapter 2, every one of those had areas where they lacked something. They were uh, uh, either praised or they were going off track or were ready to be decommissioned in uh, Revelation chapter 2 verse number 4 when it talks about the Ephesus church I think that that was the first one nevertheless I have somewhat against thee he says to this church because thou hast left thy first love so it was a church that he was addressing here and in a certain location they had certain problems and there was things that they need to be dealt with certainly our text reveals it was getting back to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, our text reveals this Corinthian church to be schismatic. And that's what he was addressing. That you're, you're to be, you know, uh, the, we started with the, that verse, in verse number 25, that there should be no schism because they were divided. He says, no, no, church, you're not to, you're not to do that. There was a problem of, of being, being divisive. You know, one was of Paul, and one was of Apollos, and he, he's addressing that. And so uh, that church... Was uh, uh, it reveals that the Corinthian church is, was n- not to be? It was it was uh, uh, being instructed not to be schismatic. It it was needy of one another, as it says. I has need of this, and we all have need of each other. Um, it was disjointed because he was addressing their their division. He says, guys, what you got to do? You got to get it together. In the next chapter, First Corinthians fourteen twenty six. He says, when you guys get together, you got a problem. How is it then, brethren? When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm and hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. What he was saying there, and he's talking about the gift of tongues there. and Somebody was going and doing this, and somebody's doing their own thing. And he says, man, people come in there, think you're crazy. A church should be unified, doing the same thing, saying the same thing, going the right direction, the same direction, you're to, you're to be unified in the Lord's uh, uh, work, and so what he was saying there is, hey, when somebody's here, and somebody's there. You know what? That's a, people come and they they, uh, they look at this church, and from the outside, and they say, man, that's a great church. The people are unified. Uh, there's 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 one direction. There's one purpose. There's, you know, it seems like uh, this is a church of not just women. I mean, sometimes uh, you'll, you'll see that. I just heard that the other day again that, uh, you know, most churches, there's more women than men. And I don't know why that is, but uh, there should be men leading. There should be men that are, that are leading their families and are doing right and, and, and leaders in the church, leaders in the community, leaders in uh, uh, teaching and, and working and whatever. And you know what? Sometimes somebody come from a different place and they say, man, that's a good church. I want to be part of that but then take all of the junk that, you know, the 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 stuff that's really counterproductive for unity, and that's why you have churches that are not unified, because one has a psalm, and one has this, and one, one's going in this direction, and that direction, and they're really not unified. And what Paul is, was telling this church at Corinth, he's saying, hey, guys, get it together. You, you've got to have you have have got to one purpose, you've got to have one uh uh, direction one leadership one head and that's what you got to do and it's not this pastor yeah as the un- under shepherd but we're all following the, the the good shepherd the great shepherd and and we're, we're paying attention to the word of god so anyway um so like i say that church was disjointed this church of god at corinth was definitely a gathering of flawed sinners in one place that had need of good doctrinal instruction to forsake an individualism that detracted from the unity that Paul preached. Remember what he said? That there should be no schism in the body. You're not to be divided. You're You're to be one body, one purpose, one direction. Well then, if clearly this was an imperfect, local, visible gathering of believers in this chapter, which it most definitely is, You can't see that any other way. That's what we're talking about here. Then we'd be doing injustice to the text if we were to all of a sudden haphazardly insert a universal church verse in verse number 13. And that's what they do. They'll say, okay, well, verse number 13, we're talking about the the one church, the invisible church, the true church. Oh, come on. That's, 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 That's not good Bible hermeneutics. Where you're, where you're using proper biblical um, uh, rules of interpretation. It's in the context before and after. It's talking about that local church, that that very church there, the, the church at Corinth. And in verse 13, when before and after is clearly talking about that that visible, specific local body at Corinth. And then verse number 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. So this body is supposed to be this universal, invisible thing? No. You keep it in context, guys. It's talking about a local church, the church at Corinth. It's not a spirit baptism into the non-existent universal body of Christ. This is the Spirit influencing every person to make that decision to join that church through the waters of baptism in the same way that a person was by the influence of the Spirit of God to say certain things. He says that in verse number 3, same chapter, First Corinthians 12, 3. He says, no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. He's saying by the Spirit, by the influence of the Holy Spirit. You don't do this, you do this. By the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he says in verse number uh, 13. By the influence of the spirit, by one spirit, are we all baptized into one body? It's the spirit of God that leads the believer to join the church and follow Jesus in the testimony of baptism. It's the spirit of God that leads the person to follow God and obey his word. Anytime that you're going to follow the word of God, it's it's probably by the influence of the spirit of God, because the spirit of God is going to lead you to obey the word of God. This is what God says. Spirit of God's working on me and my heart, and he's leading that way, and so I'm going to follow him, and that's what he says. For by the Spirit, uh, we're, we've gone that way through baptism to join that church. And it's talking about that, again, that local, visible, geographical, corporal body of the church at Corinth. It's easy to determine this when the body or the church is properly defined. You just got to, you just got to define it. You know, sometimes people get into, okay, they understand this is what we have to do with Bible definition and interpretation, and then get to a certain place where you have a preconceived what you think it should mean, and then throw out the, the Bible interpretation. Well, I'm not going to go that way. I'm just going to believe something else. You can't do that. You can't take just insert something into a passage or take it out. You got to leave it in the context. And like I say, when you leave it in the context, it's very easy. You see, the body it's talking about there is the uh, local body, the, the, the church of Corinth. Now getting back to the point of the text, it's God that places individuals in each church. That's what He says. Look at verse 18 again, First Corinthians 12:18. "But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him." See, you've been placed into the membership of this church by the will of God. He's led you to join with this body. Although it was your choice, you know, you were not a, a passive uh, uh, person in this. It was it was your choice, yes, it was your choice, and hopefully we're working in concert with the Spirit of God. Spirit of God is leading me to do that, and I'm doing that. It's not like I'm kicking and fighting, or just, you know, asleep, and the, and the Lord brings me someplace. No, I'm doing this by the influence of the Spirit of God. and So, um, it's, uh, you're, you're uh, uh, working with the Spirit of God. It's your choice. Hopefully, we're working in concert with Him. He places us in the body. So, if it's God that placed you here in this church, be careful about being uprooted. You know, be careful about uh, amputation. <laughs> you know, leaving, leaving the, the uh, uh, idea or the, the illustration that Paul gives us of the body, like a human body. Have fingers, have eyes, toes, ears. Those are all members of one body. Be careful at, at being uprooted from this church. When should somebody amputate? Well, only in extreme situations that threaten a person's livelihood. You know, like if it's dangerous to keep your leg because it's got gangrene or something, you better cut that leg off or you better separate from that, otherwise you're going to die. You know, it's going it's to be, be uh, detrimental. And folks, that's, that's when a person needs to separate themselves from a church that is not paying attention to the word of God They're not going God's way. They're not following the word of God. They're not, you know, uh, uh, doctrinally sound. And you should not be a part of that. That's where, you know, when, you know, the Lord is, you know, the way he judges. Take a look at the the churches of of, uh, um, uh, Asia in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3. If they were following his word, he says, good deal. If they were not following his word, he says, you're not doing good. We're all to follow the word of God. We're all to pay attention to that. So if a church has doctrinal problems, get out of that church. What are you doing? Uh, part of a church that they're, they're teaching wrong. They're teaching contrary to what the Bible says about salvation. Like, like you can lose your salvation. You can lose your salvation, really? How can you lose your salvation? Well, if you stop doing good you stop doing good, or you stop being faithful, you stop going to church, you stop believing, You know, then you know, Then what happens is you can lose your salvation. Oh, that means you got saved because you were doing good? That's salvation by works, by the way. That's contrary to the word of God. That's heresy. That's, that's wrong. Get, get away from that church. That's not, a, that's not a good church. That's not a New Testament church that's teaching contrary to the word of God. Come on. I mean... So if, there, if there's a church with doctrinal problems, yes, you better, you better, you know, get away from that thing. If there's moral problems that are not addressed, and I'm not saying that people are, are uh, perfect or they don't have difficulties or problems. Yeah, I'll, you know, every church does because they're made up of flawed individuals, but it's what we do with sin or how we ignore it. Or what we do, you know, because of there's something going on. And that's not right. And the Bible talks about that very clearly. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. What to do when there's a member that's in sin that must be dealt with. And he says it's, it's the onus is upon the church. Purge out, therefore, that errant member. So it's if there's moral problems that are not dealt with. Um, maybe there's some logistical problems. Uh, some somebody's work, you know, brought them cross country or something like that, and 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 uh, maybe God's moved you somehow, and so there's a move in there, and and there's no choice. And well, that's what you got to do. Or sometimes there's military situations, or you know, like for instance, our our uh, the kids are home uh, during the break here. Uh, while they're at Bible college, I encourage them to, to join with that church. You know why? Because I'm their shepherd. I'm their pastor here, but I don't know what they're doing over there. I have no clue. I don't see them. I don't see their attitudes. I don't see who they hang around. I You know. So while they're there, they're to be uh, part of a church there, and so join that church, and you've got a pastor that's there when you come back. Not for for you know just a couple of weeks like this is just a like a vacation thing. But when you come back home, then you you rejoin this church. So. Uh, you, you place your allegiance in this church and the authority and everything else because the Bible says you're here to, you're to uh, uh, follow those who have rule over you. Who has rule over you if you're not in a church? Well, that means you're out of place. You've got to get into a church. So anyway, sometimes there's logistical problems that, that will take a person and bring them to a different place. Like right now, where's Journey? Journey, where are you? Journey. Uh, We've got to pray for Journey. She's going to get married. When she gets married, she's going to leave this church sinner. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, that's one of those things, you know, it's a, you, you can't divide a family, and so she's going to be leaving us, and, uh, um, but the door's always open. If you ever want to talk to Rico, tell him to get back here, then that, that'll be great, but nonetheless, so sometimes there's, there's, there's things that will move a person, and you got to understand, you know, the, the Lord does things or allows things, and sometimes it's a ministry move where you're, in, you're working with the Holy Spirit. You're in tandem with his will. And the Spirit of God is moving this person or whatever as in Acts chapter 13. This is really this is a wonderful thing to see how that God moved people, individual members, from different churches to do different things or go to different places. And it's because of ministry. Acts 13, verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. They sent them away. How about that? It was the Spirit of God that was working with, and, and you know what? It was everybody together. The whole church was together on that. Yeah, I, you know what? If you got somebody that's, that's saying, well, I think that, you know, the Spirit of God's moving me to be, you know, uh, whatever, a missionary out here or whatever, and nobody else thinks that. You know, the Spirit of God's not really moving, not really, you know, Affirming that or confirming that in anybody's heart or whatever. I don't know about that. You know how the Spirit of God works? It works with the membership. Spirit of God said, okay, it's time for Barnabas and Saul. I've got a job for them. You know what? They all got together. They all were were affirmed by the Spirit of God. They were all led by the Spirit and said, you know what? That's what you ought to do. And and it was all together. And that's when they went out. And it says they, that means the church, sent them away. But then look at verse 4. So they being sent forth by the church... No, by the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because the church and the Holy Ghost were working in tandem on what was going on here. That's a great move. That's somebody being moved because of a ministry and it was by the Spirit of God that was doing that. They being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed. But more times than not, we see individuals taking it upon themselves to to change churches because of minor or personal preferences. Hey, guys. Let's say, you know, you hear, hear about this church over here or there, or whatever, and they have something that's new or different, whatever. God didn't place you there. He placed you here. You've got a church. You've got a family. I see this all the time. Somebody says, well, you know, there's this other church that has this. Well, yeah. And? So that's justification to move and to go to a different church? I could come home and I can say to my wife, hey, honey, uh, Mrs. Cooper bakes the greatest apple pies, peach apple pies, or uh, pear pies. I, I don't know how she does it, but they're wonderful. I think we're going to go live over at Mrs. Cooper's for a while. <laughs> and she, she'll say, okay, sure, go ahead. <laughs> In a pig's eye, right. That's not, not going to happen. Maybe, you know, little Joey says, you know, Mom, uh, Timmy's house, they don't They don't spank anybody there. I think I'm going to go live with them. (laughs) Uh, God put you over here with these parents, and that's your house, and that's where you are. Folks, all the time, there are people that are moving around because of this or because of Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You got to step back and see how does God move? God didn't place you there. God placed you here. He led you here. If he did... If he didn't lead you here, what are you doing here? But if it's God's will for you to be part of this church, then this is your church, just as your family. Listen, we all come from different family, different kinds of family, saved uh, parents, lost parents, or, or mixed. Uh, some, are, some are good parents, some are really lousy parents, or whatever, but listen, God placed you in that family, and that's who you are, that's where you came from. And you know what? God can use that to teach you exactly what you need. Saved or lost parent. God can teach you exactly what you need to have. Somebody said, this is not a perfect world, but it's a perfect world for God to raise his children in. Because he can take no matter what background and, and bring you exactly what you So your church is lacking on something here, and somebody else is not. Well, you know what? That doesn't mean move or change. That means maybe God could teach you for the lack or for the need or for whatever's going on over here, and that's what you need. Um, You have the parents that you have as they are the authority in your life. God will use them, flawed or not. God will give you all that you need in this church, and this pasture, by his foreknowledge. He knows. Wait a minute. Did it say or did it not say that God had placed those members, in that church as it has pleased Him. That's exactly what it says. You don't leave a church, or the the reason why sometimes people leave churches are because of numbers, or personalities, or facilities, or the prominence that that church has, or social concerns, you know what? If, you know I've got this uh, insurance job, and if I go to this church, oh, there'll be a lot of contacts. That's why to leave a church? That's why to... What? Whatever those reasons are, they're not reasons to move or to amputate, because it says that God has placed us. Let God do the moving, the placing, the splicing, the blending, and you know what, I've, I've got a whole lot more message, but let me just make this one last point, and then we'll be done tonight. We are all counterbalanced. Look at verse number 24. This is what God said about members in a church. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-four. For our comely parts have no need. You know, like I said, like I said, your face or whatever, that, you know, doesn't do much good at all, unless you open cans with it. <laughs> our comely parts have no need, but... God hath tempered, boy, that's a neat word right there. God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which which lacked. The word tempered means commingled, divinely blended. Folks, I've seen this over and over and over again in a church setting. Like I said earlier, somebody has a heart of mercy while somebody else is more attuned to justice. They need each other. They really do, or they're going to be imbalanced. Some You've seen a parent like that. You know, the Bible says raise your children into nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents, you, you're, you're to be balanced having nurture. You know, that's health and softness and sweetness and, and that. But then also admonition means uh, spanking or uh, whatever. You've got to have a balance. If you don't have a balance, did you ever see a parent that had a, imbalanced on all, oh, I just love my children, I just, I just, I love them so much I couldn't spank them, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, re, you know, uh, refuse them if they wanted anything. You know what, that kid is going to grow up warped. Or, the same thing, ah, they better do this. It gives no love, gives no nurture, gives no uh, softness to that kid, and it's only discipline. That kid is growing up warped. Mark it down. You got to have a balance. And you know what? In a church, you have uh, somebody with, with this perspective and somebody with that perspective. We are tempered, as the Bible says, tempered together. That means we're blended together. We're balanced. We need each other to be balanced. The other day, I had a, a DVD that was put in a computer. And when it was in there, it was it sounded like this. You know, that's the way it sounded. And I'm going, what? You know? I took out the DVD and there was a, there was a, a stamp on it, a, a label that somebody, you know, it was a made DVD and, and instead of printed on the whole thing, it was a label on one side of it. I just had an idea. I said, well, let's see. I took that label off, put it back in there. It ran silently. You know why? Because then it was balanced. With that thing out, you know, one thing on one side, it was. Impe- and the same thing is true with a tire. A tire has got to be balanced. Folks, a church should be balanced. We all bring to the table our strengths and our weaknesses to be mingled together to picture the love and the grace of God in the proper balance. Folks, there's a whole world out there nowadays that are imbalanced when they look at anything. No matter what it is, if you don't have a balance in the Word of God, you're going to get out of whack and it's not going to run right. It's not going it's, it's to run smoothly anymore. Even the truth of the, of the Bible, the word of God, God's sovereignty, man's choice, that God has given man uh, a sovereign choice. That he's not going to cross. He's going to give you that and step back and say, you choose. He's not going to force your hand on that. But is God sovereign? Yes. Well, you need to have the balance of that and, and the, you know, the balance of, of uh, grace and godliness or righteousness we live in a society that accuses those who are godly of being pharisaical there's a word for that what is it i, I couldn't think of it right before service i'm trying to think what is that word when when uh, you're going to try to do right and somebody says oh you are so legalistic thank you you're so legalistic i mean that's that's the charge legalistic i was listening to this this one <clears throat> seminar it was a grace seminar Boy, they emphasize grace. They emphasize this is, you know, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace. And, and in that message, godly living was actually condemned. You know, and what this preacher said was basically, you know, you should smoke and drink and, and do all of these things because God's grace is, is sufficient. And I'm going, this is weird. And this is what he said. He, he gave this illustration. This one kid who his, his friend was uh, going to, to he was gonna move. And he, was, he loved his friend. He didn't want his friend to, to leave. And he was so mad. He was so angry at the family, so angry at, at that friend of his that uh, they were going to take him away to another state or something like that. One, one day he took and he got the, the, a, a, uh, uh, a hose, a water a garden hose, put it down into the, their basement and turned on the water and left. Well, the family... Was on vacation and they didn't come back for days. When they got back, all of the furniture and everything was destroyed. I mean, the drywall and furniture, and, was, and they were trying to find out who did that, you know, the vandalism and all of this kind of stuff. It looked like it was on purpose. And, uh, you know, and this kid who knew that it was him that did it, he, you know, would talk to his dad and say, and I don't know who did. I mean, he's afraid now because they're looking for the for the culprit. And so he, he kept on saying, I don't know who did. That's terrible. That's awful. It might have been, and he'd give suggestions of who might have done that, whatever. Well, man, God really got a hold of this kid. I mean, really got a hold of him, and that was wrong. He lied. He knew he was the problem, and, and it's just, and they would have never found him, but, you know, uh, he, he had such a hard time with his own conscience, and he would pray about him, pray to ask God to forgive him, and and he just felt really bad about that, you know, the, that awful, awful thing that he did, and but nobody knew about it, and he couldn't get to sleep anymore, and and so finally he goes to his dad and he says, "Hey, Dad, I got to tell you something. I was the one that did that. I, I turned on the water." He says, well, "You did?" And he says, "Yeah." He, he says, "Well, son, why why why'd you come to me? Why are you tell me now?" He says, "Because I I just couldn't get away from this. I felt so bad. I just felt so bad." I, I, I didn't know what to do, and I I asked God to forgive me over and over and over again, and and I you know you know here I am, what should I do, Dad? What should I do? He says, wait a minute, son. What did you do? Tell me what you did. He says, well, I asked God to forgive me. He says, you ask God to forgive you? He says, yeah. He says, well, then go play. This preacher was trying to illustrate the grace of God, how he erases everything and does all of that, and just like. See, now that's the grace of God. You can just, and I'm the, I don't know about you, but I'm listening to this situation and saying, something's missing here, okay? This is not, that's, folks, that's not the grace of God that the Bible portrays. Not at all. He says, did you ask God to forgive you? Well, then go play. Wait a minute. Nobody pays anything? No restoration? No restitution? Well, when the Bible talks about a person being forgiven like Zacchaeus, you remember Luke 19, verse number eight, Zacchaeus stood, stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said unto him this day uh, is salvation. Come to this house. Salve, that wasn't earning salvation. That's the fruit of salvation. When you get saved, this is what you do. You make restitution for the, for the evil that you have done. Folks, I'm telling you, restoration accompanies salvation. It goes together. Today's cheap grace does not consider verse, uh, verses, uh, passages like Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world what was that that word that you said just a little bit ago legalist 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 live soberly and righteously and godly legalist well no no that's the grace of god that teaches us that that's a balance Folks, you know something? We, we got an imbalance, a tremendous imbalance of, you know, of doctrine. True grace displays righteousness. It doesn't flaunt, flaunt failure and sin. Yeah, it's free to the individual, but it was paid by our Savior. Where do we get this come as you are and leave as you were junk? That's the church today. Churches today will, will, will have that position. Hey, just come as you are. You don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. You, there's there's no, nothing that you have to do. Jesus does it all, and you just leave as you were, and no change at all in anybody's life. Baloney. That's not Listen, that's not biblical. Where in the world do we get that junk? Jesus himself said of the woman that was caught in adultery, when he forgave her, uh, she said about her accusers, no man, Lord, and Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and play. <laughs> is that what he said? No, go and sin no more. Come on now. Your old life has ended. Walk in the light. That's what he's talking about there. Yeah, grace is free to us, but it cost our Savior dearly. We're talking about balance. And you know what? In the church, it says, For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together. Balanced us with the truth here and the truth there. And you know what? Sometimes we're, we're at different perspectives, but we have a balance of the Word of God, of the truth of the Word of God in a church like we should because we're counterbalanced, or we should be. I've got a lot more to to say, but we're just going to continue this next time. Now, um, next week, of course, is going to be our Christmas Eve service, and that's taking place on Tuesday night. And uh, and somebody want to give me a... uh, What time is the service next week? six six o'clock okay so six o'clock next uh, Tuesday night not Wednesday our midweek service will be Tuesday night but it's primarily an outreach service for this community what we're going to try to do is present the gospel clearly to those of our friends and neighbors around because I don't know why, but everybody, well, no, I do know why. It's a religious thing to do. We used to do that when I was lost. You go to church on, on Christmas Eve. That's That was a religious thing to do, kind of like Christmas and Easter. And so we're looking forward to doing that next uh, Tuesday night, and it'll be an outreach service. for You'll enjoy it, but you know what? You, being in full force in the house of God, will Will show this community that we're serious about worshiping our Savior. So, uh, anyway, so that's what's going to happen next midweek. But then we'll continue with this uh, the following. All right.